Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today I'm gonna to give you a few updates in the Gannon Stout case, the Alexis Sharkey case, and also Lori Vallow Daybell case. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below, hit that notification bell to all, also give it a like and share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. Let's start off with the Gannon Stout case. There's a paralegal named Sherry Farsfeet who's 54 years old. And she leaked the affidavit online way back in April and she got into some trouble. So she was just in court on December 10th and she was charged with one count of attempted official misconduct. Now she was ordered to pay a $100 fine and also to pay the court costs and fees of $199.50. And this affidavit at the time was sealed. So she leaked it while it was sealed and it was supposed to be released around a week later. Now, the senior deputy district attorney, Michael Allen, said that she had a log in to get into the court system and was able to get access before the seal was lifted. The affidavit, you may or may not remember, had the details of Gannon's room also, it had details of blood in there, and it was quite disturbing, to put it mildly. And Michael Allen back then said the reasons that the affidavit was sealed included to protect the integrity of the investigation as it contained information known only to law enforcement and the persons involved in that investigation. He says, we obviously wanted to talk to the family before it was leaked and show them the document and answer their questions, but they were deprived of that opportunity. He says, really, it violated the respect that they should be shown as victims in this case. But he did also say that he didn't think that that affidavit leak would hurt the case in any way. Letitia does that all by herself. What are your thoughts about the fines for this paralegal who leaked the affidavit? Let me know in the comments below. She could have gotten one year in jail from my understanding. Now let's move on to Letitia Stelk. A few days ago, I did a live stream and I was talking about how odd it was that we hadn't heard anything from Letitia or anything odd happening, even though there was an upcoming competency hearing, which happened on Tuesday, December the 22nd, which as of this recording was yesterday. And lo and behold, there was some news and like Letitia, in true Letitia style, she pulled a Letitia. So a few of you had mentioned this in live stream, but then I had a few emails about this. So here's a little background. Letitia was supposed to do a competency hearing months ago. It, she did it, she was found competent. They requested for her to do another one. So she was scheduled to do another one. And that was, like I said, yesterday. It was pushed out, but yesterday it did happen. So on Friday, there was a Zoom call. So that would have been four days before this competency hearing. So I saw her shenanigans and it was absolutely ridiculous. And so I took a look at what Letitia was up to and it's absolutely laughable and ridiculous. What Letitia was doing while the judge was speaking and also her attorney is, it seemed like every time her attorney would speak, she would be flicking the lights on and off and going, oh, and then she'd spin in circles. I'm not even making it up. 
So she would flick the light on and off and then go, oh, like an idiot. And then she would also go and look up in the sky and then turn around in circles. It's ridiculous, okay? And here's my thoughts on this, or more of my thoughts on this. Number one, it's insulting to the family and it's insulting to Gannon. Number two, if she's so innocent like she says she is, and more on that in a minute, innocent people don't act like that. This is, in my opinion, not a case of her being insane. This is a case of her covering or CYA covering her own or covering your own. And interestingly, how this just so happened to be four days before her competency hearing. Now, the judge just talked right over it, and so did her defense attorney. But it's legit she's topped herself once again. Now, let's just go down memory lane just for a moment, shall we? In the past year, besides the obvious of hurting Gannon and killing him, she has attacked an officer while being transported from North Carolina back to Colorado. Now, this, in my opinion, was her little thought of she better act insane, so she has to do that because she's in a lot of crap. Then she decides to try and escape jail by measuring herself, as she says, and trying to bribe another inmate and then trying to get a broomstick so she can break out of jail and probably have imaginary Aguardo come pick her up. And then we also have her beautiful letter to the judge, not to mention she's been also in correspondence with many, many people. Now, one of her famous lines that she says, and I personally have seen this in a letter, was how she says, I'm 100% confident in my innocence. Now, innocence doesn't act like that. And honestly, this is the dumbest play in her book because if she claims she's innocent, then this is the dumbest strategy known to human existence because she has not been consistent in her insanity or as she calls it, her saneness. And at this point, she's using this, again in my opinion, because she is grasping at anything she can. She's a sinking ship and she needs to grasp onto whatever her mind thinks is logical. It's not insanity. She's just a you know what. So like I said, it's insulting. You let me know in the comments below. Totally insulting and disrespectful to the family. Not that she ever had respect, but this just tops it in my opinion. The judge must be rolling his eyes so far back in his head that he probably can see Eduardo. So as you can see, I'm quite miffed and can't believe, yes, I can believe, but I can't believe she's even gotten to this point. And her defense attorney must be like, holy crap, get me out of this, please, for the love of God. Let me know your thoughts. I can't talk too much longer. I'm going to snap my crayons. Let's go to the next case. Alexis Sharkey. Now, we still don't have the autopsy results or the toxicology report for Alexis as of yet. Now, it's almost been one month 
since she was found deceased. And there was another interview with Alexis's mom, and she said that she struggled to get Alexis's body back. She said it was since last Christmas that she saw her daughter. She says Thomas Sharkey was the next of kin and had primary custody of Lexi's body. He said all along that he was willing to let her go home, which is in Pennsylvania, and they were living in Houston for the last year. And her mom says she couldn't do anything without next of kin, who was Tom, and then Tom had stopped cooperating. And he, she actually said it was almost a fight if she could call it that to get Lexi. Now, one of the interesting things here was that the medical examiner changed the next of kin to Lexi's mom after two weeks of no action from Tom. And so they were able to get Lexi and so they had a private viewing. Now, one of Lexi's friends was interviewed and she was at the private viewing and she said she thought that the friends would have closure by being there but feels like they didn't get closure and she said that it didn't look like her. Now, I can understand that. I've been to quite a few funerals and many of them were open caskets and a lot of times they don't look like the person in my opinion. And her mom says, I didn't think I was gonna get her and I actually had given up hope when all of a sudden the forensics lab called me. Now, one other thing, there was a retired detective from Washington DC who talked about this case and he says, I think an arrest in this case is imminent. He talked about a little bit how he didn't think that this was related to her social media accounts. He says that it's most likely somebody she knows. So I'm sure it's just a matter of time before we get this toxicology report and we can see what they've put together in terms of the puzzle pieces. Now for Lori Vallow Daybell. Two things here, there was a closed hearing on Friday. In recent videos, you see me talk about Rob Wood, Mark Means, and John Pryor. Mark Means initially filed a motion to basically get Rob Wood off of the case. There were allegations of misconduct against Special Prosecutor Rob Wood. Mark Means filed the motion. John Pryor basically copied it and added a few sprinkles of alleged and filed that. And they went into a closed hearing last Friday. Rob Wood denied these allegations and he said, uh, it seems like this recording, which was not to my knowledge, seemed to be not complete and or edited in some way. Now I do have the transcript right here in front of me. I've had it for a few days and I will possibly do a couple little clips from that. I could do a separate video if you'd like. There's a couple things that are important to point out, but at the same time, I don't feel at this point I'm going to read the entire thing yet. Now, Rob Wood then responded with a motion before they went into court on Friday asking the judge for a temporary judicial protection order that would prevent parties, witnesses, potential witnesses, victims, victims, witness coordinators, law enforcement officers, and court personnel from, from discussing the motions to disqualify or the related audio on social media or with the news media. Now the judge actually denied Rob Wood's request and it says that those involved in the case could speak with the media while keeping certain documents sealed in the case. Among those sealed documents is an affidavit by Garrett Smith 
who's the attorney who was present when this audio recording was made with Summer Shiflet and Zulema Pastenas. Mark also asked the judge to stop Rob Wood from actively working on the cases until a decision was made on the prosecutor's status. However, the judge denied the request. Now on January 6th, there is a hearing scheduled to see about moving the case out of Fremont County. Remember, they want to see if it can go to Boise, Idaho. And they're also now doing a hearing there to decide if Rob Wood should be disqualified. And that's scheduled also on January 6th. Also, Rob Wood and John Pryor want the hearing closed to the public. And Mark Means wants it open to the public. So the judge has until December 30th to decide if the public can attend or view the hearing regarding the request to remove Rob Wood. So basically in the transcript, uh, what's important is that it says that it's not the entire recording. Like I said, it was the first 18 approximate minutes of the recording. Now, I wanna give a shout out to Scott Reich because many people had emailed me and they said they got this off Scott's website. So thank you so much, Scott. We'll have you on sometime. <laughs> Go check out his channel. It's at Crime Talk. Now, I'm just going to do a couple little highlights and then we could do and you could let me know if you want to see a separate video on this because I could deep dive a little bit and extract some information and go a little bit deeper. But uh, one of these things that made me do a little tiny happy dance is where it says in here, uh, Rob Wood says, um, I'm just going to tell you right now, we, we are going to be filing conspiracy to commit murder charges for both Chad and Lori. And Garrett says, okay. And he says, and we're not shy about that. We've told both attorneys. His attorney keeps pretending like I've never said that. What? But we are, we have to. But I kind of want to give you a little bit of background of where we are and kind of like our kind of theory of how this ended up where it was. We know that this is not the same Lori everyone else knew. What's so strange to me is everyone we talked to, everyone we talked to who knew Lori before this, she was a primary president. She made quilts for these kids. She, she made everything fun. Everyone loved her. She loved everyone. And Summer says, great mom. Now, I would love, obviously, to hear this recording. Because as I read throughout this, there's little spots where you wonder if Summer was actually there when he talked about this and if it was clipped. Because one, Rob Wood didn't know he was being recorded. Two, in his court document, he even said, this is really weird. This is not the entire conversation. Zulema and Summer weren't present in some of these conversations. So I'd love to know what's clipped. What's interesting too is at the very top of the transcript, it starts off with a half sentence. So I'm wondering if Summer was there, when Summer's there. I mean, there is a couple spots in there where you're just like, wait, wait a minute, was she in there? Wasn't she not? And it's just condensed, if you know what I mean. It talks about Summer meeting Chad Daybell. She met him once at Preparing a People. And I'll go into more of that. I know you guys are probably curious if you haven't actually heard or seen this transcript yet. The greatest actual line in this whole entire thing is Summer talks about talking to Chad. She says, so I've talked to him maybe three times briefly on the phone, never a long extended conversation. But the first thing he said to me when he called me was that he said that Lori hasn't told me very much about the kids, so there's not really much I can tell you about it. And Rob says, 
Okay, of course he said that. Summer goes, "Mm mm-hmm. Rob says, well, welcome to Chad Daybell. And he says, and Summer says, I have my own opinions. Don't get me wrong. Prosecutor Rob Wood says, I bet you do. He is highly manipulative. Summer says, yes, he is. One of the things Rob says was every once in a while, you'll see kind of a little crack in Lori in like a jail phone call, he says. And she says, well, you've heard our conversations too. You know that I I get that she's not fully aware of what she's really done. And Rob says, right? Yeah. Summer says, I don't think she is. Rob says, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say this. I think she knows what she's done. Summer says she knows enough to lie to us about it. Now, I'll give you a little info snack here. What's interesting about this is Lori's mom, way back in months and months ago after the kids were found, or maybe it was right before, it was right before, she said she talked to JJ on October 1st, which is impossible. And she even provided phone records to the authorities. So very interesting because as we know, JJ was actually missing and gone since September 22nd slash 23rd. So she couldn't possibly. So there's that. And it looks like there was actually some things before they found the children. There was something where Lori was going to speak with these guys just a few days before and Chad talked her out of it. This is what the, this is what Rob Wood says. He says she actually was talking about with Chad about talking with us about before we found the bodies just a few days before and he talked her out of it. And he says, which is too bad. It would have been better for her to tell us. Garrett says, yeah, sure. Which is the lawyer. It would have been. Summer says, I agree. He says, I mean it. We were actually just finishing up our warrant on the date she said that. We were just getting ready to go out that day. That would have been even better. And he talked her out of it. And Summer says, yeah. And he says, and the night before she says to him again, like, hey, what do you think about, you know, and he uses this kind of, I call it spiritual abuse, spiritual manipulation. Summer says, yeah. And this is where I believe Mark Means gets angry. Because Rob says... We were able to put them in jail with a high bail on these lower charges and put together a case. Now our goal is to have such a strong case that when she has competent counsel, I don't know if you know this, her attorney has never handled a felony before, which is correct because Mark Means is a family law attorney. Summer says, "Mm mm-hmm. Rob says, He's never, never done any meaningful criminal work at all, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a nice guy. Summer says, yeah, I met him. Rob says, other than when he's lying about me, but he's, he doesn't know what he's doing, and once we file further charges, she will be appointed counsel who will know what they're doing. And our goal is to put together such a case, and they're smart enough to say, uh, it's going to be better to talk. And I don't even disagree here. It's not like... Rob was trying to bash him. He literally is just saying she's, he hasn't done this work and he's not a competent lawyer. Mark Means is probably taking it like, what do you mean I'm not competent and getting angry? But it's just basically, well, you've never done a criminal case like this, let alone a death penalty case like this, right? And uh, check out Scott Reich also. He has some good points about this as well. And he's talking about this case, obviously. Say hi to him for me. (laughs) interestingly this is summer's words nobody else's words this is summer's so 
Rob says just because someone's committed a crime doesn't mean they're a horrible person. And she says, so I'm so torn with all the, it's such a conflicting feeling to know that this person's been good her whole life and then has made this error in judgment and got sucked into this vortex of this man, meaning Chad Daybell. Rob says, mm-hmm. And Summer says, and I feel for her. I just have so much compassion towards her because I know that's not what she would have ever done on her own. Rob says, right. They talked about the death penalty case and Rob says it hasn't been decided yet. This is where it also gets interesting. Rob starts talking about Hawaii and when Lori got arrested. He says, I'll tell you, I was there in Hawaii when that the order to produce the children was served. And I was there when they served the search warrants for when the news showed up, which I was super annoyed by that. I never want, I, it just blows everything up, right? At the moment when we saw them, because your sister can put on a brave face, if you can call it that. Summer says, oh yeah. Rob says, we were like, oh, does this guy know what he's gotten into? Summer says, mm-hmm. Rob says, and because she was just very stoic, very like, I'm not going to say a word. He looked like he was about to pee his pants. That's a quote right from here. Because he's actually a wimpy person. Summer says, yeah. And, prosec and Rob says, he's wimpy. And Rob says, yeah. So see, it looks like there's some deleted stuff in there. It's weird. Summer says, yeah. Rob says, he's great if he has someone else to do something for him. But he himself is a wimpy person. And at the time, they were like, this is all her. Like, how is she manipulating this guy? But then once we dug into the, that was the beginning as we're like starting to get facts, we got more facts like, oh, again, I'm not going to pull punches if I have to go to trial, but these ideas came from him. Summer says, oh yeah. So I would like to know again, back to this recording, if these are excerpts from Rob talking to Garrett and the other ones are putting in or if it's legit and Summer's actually in there and talking about certain and talking with them in these certain points. I would love to know that. The real recording. And side note too, Chad is a wimpy person. We've seen him flee time and time again. Not according to John Pryor. He's hearing voices in the corner so he's not getting everything in a full stack. We see Chad Daybell running November 26th, which was last year when they were doing their welfare check and he magically forgot his new bride's phone number and also looked like or acted like he barely knew her. And then we also see him running the day the children actually were found, etc., etc. Chad's a runner. Not really the knight in shining armor, is he? So Rob says... And she had, she had some different views on theology and standard LDS by that point, but he really knew how to manipulate that and turn it into something even more. Summer says his influence was there before she met him. And they talked about reading his books. And Summer talks about also Julie Rose podcasts. Now, one of the most hilarious lines in the entire transcript is Summer says, I've heard some of her podcasts, meaning Julie Rowe, when she started talking about herself in third person all the time, I'm like, hmm. 
And Rob says, yeah, I've listened to her podcast as well and interesting stuff. Now, Garrett, Summer and Zulema's lawyer, says Garrett doesn't like when people talk about themselves in the third person. So he makes a little funny there. Rob, interestingly, right after, if this is correct in proper chronological order, says, well, and we'll let you get going and we can start on this. Garrett says, okay. So he cuts that off right there, doesn't say anything about that, but Garrett is basically being a smart aleck. Then Summer actually offers for the guys to wear some wristbands that she made up for Tylee and JJ. Interestingly, I don't see anything with Zulema Pastanas in this. It's just the first 18 minutes with Summer Shiflet. I'd love to know from Summer Shiflet if she'd be willing to do an affidavit on that and saying that she did, this is how the conversation went, if that's how that works. Let me know your thoughts below. We're going to have a chit chat about this. Things are going to get crazier if it means Mark Means and John Pryor are still on the case. What do you think about Rob Wood? Do you think this is doctored? Do you think there's some legit concerns? Let me know in the comments below. We'll have a chit chat. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.